Welcome to Corporate Cornucopia, the podcast that's overflowing with business insights, entrepreneurial tips, and stories from the front lines of today's economic landscape. From the studios of the Kyrville Chamber of Commerce, I'm Mark Heiberger, your host. And I'm Noel Fenderson, your co-host. Today on the show, we're excited to introduce you to Effie Ballard Johnson, whose take on the gospel has informed her life as a professional vocalist, CEO of Neighborhood Centers. She's a mother and a small business owner. All right. Well, Effie, thank you so much for being a part of our Cairoville Chamber of Commerce podcast and being with us this morning. We're so looking forward to talking to you, but thank you so much for being here. Thank you all for having me. This is a, an honor to be present. I know. I feel like we should just <laughs> let her sing yeah. this entire podcast. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to get myself together. I feel a little hoarse this <laughs> Yeah, I was... Uh, thinking the same thing maybe we should just uh, stand back no questions and, and let the let the beauty of the singing uh, carry us but um are, are you from are you from memphis are I you am originally from memphis um hollywood and jackson i was raised um right there um and um was born and raised in memphis i uh, was born april 10th 1968 about uh four to six days after martin luther king was killed uh so my my father couldn't couldn't visit me as often because of the curfews i was born in a not in a regular hospital I was born in a little hospital off of um off of um dunlap where um african americans could be born at that time other than john gaston and so um that was where i was until the curfew until all the um uproar was oh, oh it was kind of subsided my mom had to be in the hospital a little longer so um because of that and uh, then so, i came on home <laughs> so you were born in april april yeah mm -hmm. yeah april 10th and where'd you go to school as you were coming up so i went to macon elementary i was the one i was the first and part of the first groups of kids bust to out of our community to um another school and so we went to i went to macon and then from Macon, um, went, then we went back. <laughs> so I went to Snowden after that for junior high school. And then from junior high, they bust us back out to um, um, East. High. I'm sorry, not to East. Lord, not, forgive me, um, Eagles. That was wrong. I was saying, you know, our, our rivals were East High School. I can't do that. Um, I went to Treadwell High School. <laughs> I think I'm kidding. Uh, sorry, Jerry, class, class president. My bad. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, so East. Uh, why do I keep saying that? Treadwell High School. I was talking to a guy that goes to East, and I was saying, y'all are our rivals. Literally just talking to him oh about this, goodness. like this morning I was talking to him. And so I keep saying East, and I'm thinking Treadwell. Anyway, I graduated from Treadwell High School in 1986. Go Eagles. And um, Anthony Hardaway, Elliot Perry, all those yep. guys were there when I was there. Wow. Uh, and so uh, that's where I went to high school. And then I went to Memphis State. Mm -hmm. I graduated from Memphis State in 1991. <laughs> and then I worked toward my master's for, um, post that. And then, uh, but I really started teaching school and um, leading, uh, began working with the Neighborhood Christian Center. My parents um, actually pulled me out of, um, I guess I went into retirement um, out of school after I taught school a few years and began to help them build the mm -hmm. organization, Neighborhood Christian Centers. And um, my husband and I moved to Decatur, Alabama to open our um, uh, uh, organization, the Neighborhood Christian Center there in Decatur. And my parents had opened one previously in Jackson, Mississippi. Uh, so we were beginning to expand the organization and um, 
So my parents put us out there to do it. And so that was how I learned ground up how to build business, how to build infrastructure, strategy, and um, and, and understanding how to work with uh, uh, both sides of the um, of the aisle. So we had those that were in need that we had to draw and gain trust, and those that were affluent or had the means that we had to to gain trust and and be, figure out how to work those two together. So. That's wow. what I learned. <laughs> and your mom started it? Yeah, my mother and okay. father began our organization yeah. uh, in 1978, formally in 1978, mm-hmm. along with some awesome um, supporters um, that were um, there in the early years uh, because they, of course, were doing this work way before 1978. So um, they had begun doing their own personal ministry uh, in the 60s. And then um, over time, they began to be noticed by the paper, by um, news articles, things like this. And um, as a result of that, um, my mom began to work with Crusade for Christ. My father was teaching school. He taught school for 31 years at um, Douglas Elementary. But um, my mom began to be in those circles where um, Second Presbyterian and other uh, partners began to see the work she was doing and invited her into the opportunity. And that's how they developed the neighborhood Christian centers. And then she continued moving on from there. What is the mission of, tell, tell us and tell the listeners, people who are listening a little bit about what neighborhood Christian centers. So the centers mission of neighborhood does. Christian centers is to guide those in need towards stability and sustainability through Christ centered ministries and empowerment programs. And we have um, three um, pillars of service, um, which are youth and young adults. Um, we also serve a, adult and family, um, and includes marriage in that in that um, element as well. And then we have our compassionate services. Compassionate services is the foundation of our work. Um, it's where my parents started way before the mission was even formalized, uh, and then uh, continues to this day. Uh, so that we want to show the light, share the light of Christ uh, as the foundation of all we do. And we do that through um, service, through giving. Uh, We call it sharing. So we don't do giveaways, but we do sharing events uh, through our compassionate services that allows us to um, help people to see um, the opportunity to receive as in a, in a way of dignity and respect and not just you're in a line slopping this on your plate or whatever, you know, it's, it's that we are sharing and um, this is a time that we need to share with you. There may, may be a day that you'll need to share with us. And so um, that is, um, and, and with sharing, you, you don't owe me anything. And so that's why um, we um, demonstrate the love of Christ through sharing sharing the gospel, sharing that which he's given to us, and ensuring that that those that are around us receive um, because it's not ours. Um, so that's what we do with our compassion services. That could be from, like I said, Maslovian services all the way through to uh, monetary utility, uh, rental assistances. Um, we do have some relationships with government entities that allow us to get some some funds for, for direct service back to, to the community in those areas. Um, but most of our support is um, raised through giving um, and serving in that way. Um, we also, with the adult and youth programs, they um, each have their own evidence-based programming. Uh, we use something called transition to success. Uh, that 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 evidence based model was based out of Michigan. Uh, allows us to um, use our methodology and assign um, a way of tracking 
the progress in which we how we serve families or the digression. So we have um, when you're serving people doesn't always mean everything's going to go as planned and they have to adopt the plan or create the plan to create smart goals and all those things associated with that in order for those those um, goals to be successful. When you're dealing with generationally poor, uh, as, as we primarily focus on and serving in the hardest, most challenging communities of, of the mm-hmm. city, um, you're, you're not talking about um, a, a perspective of planning, of thinking things through having time. To have time means you have to have money. Uh, when you don't have much, you don't have much time. It, it's it's one way or the other. You have a lot of time, but what you have to do with your time wastes a lot as well. Mm-hmm. So you're standing in line longer. Um, you're um, having to pay more mm-hmm. because you don't have the proper credit, or you never had. You don't have a job, and you've got to pay people to get. You don't have transportation, so every five dollars you get, you got to give two fifty for somebody to give you a ride. You can't get an Uber because you don't have credit, so you don't have a credit card. So being poor, you you remain poor mm-hmm. unless someone is lifting you out and and being intentional about helping you focus on that. So anyway, neighborhood Christian centers focuses on helping people um, create plans to to first of all see where they are and better understand the situations they're in. When you're born into a situation, you don't realize what, that you're in it. Mm-hmm. You're just living, <clears throat> doing, in this case, surviving. Uh, sometimes, um, you know, being walk, being in fear, um, anxiety, depression, all these things are associated with uh, the work we do. And so our staff... Um, and the work we do every day is case management driven uh, for those particular families that will are willing to adopt those opportunities to help move them forward. Uh, we use something called LAS, which is a life area survey, which is how we help measure progress month to month with each individual family that agrees to this process. Uh, and then we have college programs. We have students that are in our college ministry that um, have been a part of us from early childhood, well, early ages of um, like first grade, second grade, so kindergarten through sixth grade, and then they matriculate from there through to college. Uh, and we have programs and scholarships that allow us to to incentivize that so they would preferably stay in the program and go to college. We have 40 plus students in college right now. That's a rotation all the time. So we always have 40 to 45 slots. Mm-hmm. And every three to four years, each year someone's rolling off and then yeah. another's adding. Um and that could be also for trade as well. So we really begin to emphasize not just um, college career, but trade, trade career as well, which has been a lot more of our focus. Sounds like uh, a lot of what you're saying is kind of based off the, the old concept of uh, rather than give you a fish, I'd rather teach you how to fish That's right. so that you can do for yourself. That's exactly right. We um, just recently acquired... A company called what well, was called Bowie's Cakes, and um, it was a young lady, a lady in Memphis that uh, owned a cake company, and felt that the Lord was giving her um, a charge to to uh, retire from that, and she sought out us and uh, asked me, "Hey, would you be interested in?" It? I was like, "Hey, yeah, we need we need that as a social enterprise, mm. but also as a way to do exactly what you're saying. How do we teach people to fish themselves? Well." If you don't, you never gone fishing. You don't know what that means. 
If you don't, um, you know, so you you buy all the things in the grocery store, you feel that, you know, where I was, when I saw chicken and girl, I thought that's where it came. <laughs> I was born in Memphis. I was, my mom and I was born in the country. They knew about wringing a chicken neck and, you know, hanging the cow and the stuff, the pigs and the, and the salt, whatever, you know, smoke room or whatever you do, honey. Y'all, maybe you know, I don't know. <clears throat> so... That was not where I came from. Yeah. Now, of course, I know it now because my parents taught me, took us to the country. You know, we saw where we grew up, where we know our family. We know our history from almost back to 150, 62 years now, 162 years back. We know that. That's not typical, especially in African-American culture, uh, for me to to be around other people that would have that type of knowledge in in the communities we serve. We're working toward helping you to establish sustainability sustainability so you can have a legacy how do you do that well it takes a lot of time but anyway thought chickens came the way they did um so if you're if you're going to um help people learn what it means to have a work ethic what it means to um to come to work every day to do something with patterns um where you're asked to um to Maybe adjust, change, whatever. Um, you have to create uh, create uh, an environment for people to have this healthy and safe for them to do that. Mm-hmm. And so, creating. Uh, so we adopted. We we took that K company. We um, took it over from her. Um, she donated it actually to us. We didn't have to buy it with all of her clientele, and we were able to um, turn that to uh, a new company called Holy Cakes. H O L E Y cakes.org. And it's really cute. It's the Holy Cakes logo with a little angel crown, like a uh, <laughs> halo, like to the side, tilted to the side. And it says, Holy Cakes, a cake, the cakes with a hole in it. <laughs> so it's just bite cakes. That's all it is. But we just thought it was so cute. And our, our team put that together. Anna Wilcox was really instrumental in us creating that. Um, that concept and that name. And then of course my background and I'm, I'm a, I guess what you call a super entrepreneur. <laughs> so um, that's, that's my area as a businesswoman. And mm-hmm. so I um, then took that concept and we flipped it to incorporating a work training program and then uh, cake ambassadors that, that come from being uh, a part of the training weeks to become, to learn work ethic, work, learn work, um, 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 how to uh, get a job, resume building, all those different areas of, of, um, of work life, um, opportunity. And then those that are not able to move straight into a job after they graduate from that program, then they can move, they can move to Holy Cakes. And uh, we have a few graduates of the initial program that moved to Holy Cakes and they, um, are with us for a while because a couple of them, we've, we able, we were able to create, create <laughs> jobs, part-time jobs for them with Holy Cakes just every day. And then a few of them, of the others will be coming through as interns. And then after a few weeks or months, they move on hopefully to a job because we've been able to be a part of their uh, reconstitution of understanding what it means to work or how to be, you know, the stick of that. Right now, nobody really wants to get out there and work. So it's kind of challenging because, you know, you got everybody, it's the, what, it's the great resignation. So you're trying to figure out how to, get people to stick to a job. But in this case, we're not, our, most of our clientele, those neighbors that we serve, mm-hmm. we're typically never working. Okay. So we're not talking about that particular group of people. Yeah. Uh, it's just stacked on top of now yeah. those that were not already working. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, yeah. it sounds like your your role in the neighborhood Christian center, does that influence your entrepreneurship or is it is that the other way around? It's the other way around. Okay. I mean, I my parents um were always very for all my siblings and I were very supportive of whatever we wanted to do. And so um, I remember I actually wrote a little art. Well, someone wrote an article about this um, about four years ago. And I was talking about um, I was the first candy girl, not candy lady in our <laughs> community. Well, I, I can't say first. I can't claim first, but I believe I was the first. I was the best. <laughs> if nothing else, I was the best at what I was doing. But anyway, I was selling lemon heads, you know, Coca-Cola, yeah. whatever. And I was like, shoot, these kids got to pass by my house to get to that store. I'm selling stuff first, you know. So anyway, I was always strategic and things like that. But anyway, my father would take me to um, Purity Products at the time on on um, Jackson, and um, and I never thought about this because it was kind of like I was very entrepreneurial, but I was also a kid, so I didn't think about that. My dad had to front me the money to buy it, and he never asked for any money back. It wasn't even like that. It was like I was like, I don't have a store. I like to sell some candy, and so he's like, okay, I'll take the beauty products. What a great investor! It was he was a wonderful investor. <laughs> I guess the what his investment was, and I didn't have to ask him for money after it started. Because honey, once I got there, I was like, I am independent. I'm going to be rolling. You know, that's what I was doing. So anyway, for me, that was pretty good. You know, you make about forty dollars a week or whatever, but um. <laughs> Anyway, but he took me down. I bought all this looking, and that was my first in, um, entree into the business world. And then when I turned um, 19, I was in college. Uh, I was a sophomore in college, and I was like, I got to do bigger. This has got to go grander. I'm going to open up a store. And honey, I was I was at University of Memphis, and um, and I would go to my classes, and then I would get out of class. I would go downtown, and I was determined I was going to find me a shop. I was going to open me a store. It was going to be called Everything, T-H-A-N-G, with an exclamation <laughs> point. And I did and I did open it up. So on before the trolley, this is way pre-trolley, um, there were stores um, up and down Main Street, and there was this glass building that was in the middle of Main Street. And, um, and there was a man that... I don't know. I don't know if he owned it or he rented it too, but it was he it was his. But on one side of the store, it was all glass. There was no 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 one was there. And on his side, he was selling what he was selling. I was like, hey, can I rent this side over here? And he was like, sure. I said, because I'm gonna sell my purses, I'll sell all my stuff, you know, my belts and everything. And he was like, sure. And I started. I said, I can't. I was 19. I'm looking back. That was a long time ago because I'm 53. So I was like, that is a long time ago. But I never told my dad that I went to. I went downtown, got a business license. I was 19, so nobody had to approve it, right? I, yeah. I was grown, so I got a business license. Went and worked it out, worked out the deal. Honey went to June Lee and got me some stuff because <laughs> June Lee was right there, you know, and got me my stuff. You know, before you could, the internet and stuff wasn't big, they had ordering online and bringing yeah. stuff up. And then I came home and told my daddy, Hey, I have a store downtown called Everything in on, on Main Street. You got what? Okay. And never said anything about it. Just, and I hired my cousin to work there so I was in school. And I would come in to check on her. Honey, like, I was really rolling, honey. But uh, it, it worked. I had a problem. I probably had a couple of years before the trolley came and took me down, you yeah. know, took us out. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> had to tear down the, yeah. you know, the building. But I'll never forget that was my first real movement into owning something and creating a job. You yeah. know, I was like, I can create a job because I also braided hair. 
And um, that was really a big deal back then because um, nobody was doing a lot of uh, wigs and all the stuff that the, yeah. our, the black girls especially do. Um, it's weaves. Everybody doing weaves now, though. It ain't just a black girl thing. But, <laughs> but um, back then... Braiding hair and adding hair. I don't know if you remember Sinbad. He was talking about, girl, your hair was this short today. And, and I mean, yesterday and today, your hair long and down your back. <laughs> so I was that girl, you know. And I did not care. I was like, I'm wearing me some long hair, honey. I could buy me some long hair. I'm going to get some. So anyway, I started learning how to do hair and doing that for other girls. I know y'all like, we're never going to invite Effie back here again. She's talking <laughs> uh, about weave. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let me tell y'all. I, t- I told some of my friends, I said, let me tell y'all the best thing you can do. If I could find me two white guys to work with me on knowing how to put some weave in somebody's hair, we could do great. <laughs> we could have the one. We'll draw all kinds of people. I'm like, who's putting some braids in somebody's hair? He is. <laughs> Anyway, I'm just I'm always thinking like what what angle could I use to draw? You know. But anyway, it was just funny. But um back in the day nobody would, you know, buy in with me. <laughs> but it's worked out. See, hair hair is a big industry now. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> but oh, anyway. And where did where thing. did music come into play? So I was always doing music. I was okay. um, when I was three years old, my parents started to really recognize that I could sing. Mm. And I would sing for different things. I would open up for my, I was the opening act for my parents when they would go and speak to uh, organizations and stuff like that. <laughs> I'm using that opening act, whatever. But um, they would, I would learn these songs and my parents would, you know, uh, you know, genuinely be talking yeah. about the Lord and whatever. And I would be the person that would sing before that. And I was singing as very young age and I would be on channel three and I'll be there is no no dynamic just as loud as possible but I had good tone so you know it worked out but anyway so you know I was singing and uh and then I was went to Macon Elementary and I'll never forget um some kind of way Mr. Coffee, the principal there found out I could um I could sing but you know you don't go to the principal's office Mother and Joanne's children do not get in trouble you know and so I'll never forget I was Super smart. So I was in a split class with the second graders, but I was in the first grade. <laughs> but anyway, this particular day, um, we were, um, the Miss Lee, my wonderful teacher, said, Hey, hey, someone go open the window. So this girl and I both running because, you know, I'm, in, I'm always going to be. The, the, the number one just, I'm doing everything I'm passing out all the papers instead of passing out the papers like take yours and pass it to the next person I'm getting up and taking all the papers and passing them out to everyone <laughs> and she's like take one and pass it back I said like, oh I got it I'll just take care of everybody that's the girl I was right and so I'm running to the window and she's running to the window we pull off the window and, we, and the window cracks I feel like we didn't really really it was probably already going to crack anyway but it like has a little crack in it I was like oh god we cracked the window so it was no big deal it was like we sat down and she was like girls just be fair you know your turn your turn and it was that was it Miss Lee was the best right yeah. 30 minutes later an intercom is Effie Johnson in the office in, in your in your class? Yes, ma'am. Can you send her down to the principal's office? Oh, Lord, I about died. I was like, oh Jesus, I am I have <laughs> torn up the building. They're gonna, you know, I'm gonna get a suspicion, you know. Never I don't even know what I'm talking about, because I'm in first grade, right? Go down there. Mr. Coffee and a few others were there. And they said, Effie, we heard you could sing. <laughs> <laughs> that was what I went down there for. 
over. And I said, I was like, let me say it. So I make sure I don't get the trophy. You know? <laughs> so that was how, you know, I learned, the, you know, to get, you know, begin to perform. And, yeah. and they would have me performing in programs of Macon. And then, believe it or not, Mr. Coffee moved to Snowden. So when I went to Snowden, he remembered me and all of that. And it was just kind of a wonderful wow. thing. And God has always favored me in that way. But yeah, so singing has been a part of my life. I'm actually on the on the bill at the Orpheum um, for March the fifth with um, with um, Danny Cosby as a Gary Going oh, production. Yeah. Uh, we need folks to buy some tickets. Oh yeah, there's no incentive for you. Just buy some tickets. Come <laughs> come come. Yeah, sing. And we need people to buy these tickets because we want another show. In order for us to get another show, yeah, people have to buy the tickets. So tell everybody where where do we buy tickets at? Orpheum. Orpheum. The Orpheum Straight ticket from the Orpheum. Yeah, just okay. go to the Orpheum ticket count or whatever online. What's, what's the name of the show or what? Uh, it's called a mu- gospel music. <laughs> Review, our, our tribute to gospel, I think is what it's called. March 5th. Yeah, March 5th. And we'd like to do another show. So I think we've sold half of the tickets. And it's going to be, I think, in the Hollering Center at the okay. Orpheum. Yeah. So it's a really nice venue. Yeah. And um, so we've sold, I think, half of the one show. Yeah. So we need your audience to get on out there and buy them tickets, please, oh, so we can get another show. Because oh, I have been doing ministry all my life. <laughs> But I really wanted to be on Broadway. <laughs> so this is going to be my opportunity. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I would still do ministry. But I finally get to be on the stage. Oh, well, I, I think so everybody like, out there has got to be wondering, <laughs> how in the world do you juggle all of this? Mom, CEO, oh, businesses. Well, you know, things happen in seasons. And when I, when I had my children... Um, well, first of all, we didn't have kids for six years after we were married. So my first six years of marriage of 29 years now was um, doing what I did. All those funny things I said that I was doing, I was doing that all the way up until I was 28 years old. But I lived my life to the fullest. And my parents were not people that let us go out and just lollygag or whatever. We had to be about. So I was teaching piano lessons. I had recitals. I was doing hair and I was singing. And running your and store, I was running on my Main store on Main Street, <laughs> and I was um, and I was going to school, going to college, yeah. and I graduated on time in 1991. Hallelujah! <laughs> uh, and so, I just always have been very structured in that way. But my father's an army guy, you know, so I just followed the regiment. And so, if you look at my calendar on my phone, and I was sharing this with you earlier, it tells me time to go to the restroom. Time to go. <laughs> I mean, like it gives me all everything. Okay, gotta go see your boys over there at the chamber, you know. And then you gotta go do this. And so my calendar is my is what I follow, and I follow it as my Bible of yeah. of scheduling of of order. And um, that's that's what I do now. There's been a lot of blessing in the midst of that that I've been healthy. So mm-hmm. if I'm, you know, so I try to stay healthy, keep taking my vitamins and. My mother's pushing that a lot, you know, uh, resting. I do get a massage, you know, over there at Asian Massage. Get that type of massage. That works you out because I have a little arthritis coming up in my body now, so I'm trying to work that. So just trying to keep healthy. But honestly, I, I, my, my father taught me a lot about time. It's time now to invest all I have in what I can do while I can. Because when you the, – the Bible teaches us this when you're old. When you're older and you can't do certain things as you were younger, then it's time to be the thought leader. It's time to use your brain to help others because you've already done it. So you don't have to go figure out how to do when you've already 
perfected, if you will, yeah. how to do it. Now <clears throat> you can lead through thought and and wisdom, and, you know, wisdom yeah. and you can open up, keep maintaining your businesses or whatever without having to be the do the physical work. I have a um, a, a podcast I'm developing actually through um, Jeremy Parks. And he's gonna kill me because I haven't finished all of them yet. But <laughs> but um, it's called Hustlenomics, and Hustlenomics is something that branded that talks about the different levels of becoming an entrepreneur, um, what I call a hustle mature, and then moving into actual business, legitimate business owner, mm. and the hustle through to legitimate, and I'm using the word lightly, legitimate business because hustles are legitimate too. Um, you know, you're doing the you're doing it, but you're just not funded. Mm. You know, and as you move from creating the the foundational dollars you need or the base dollars you need, then you transfer that. Well, people need to know how do I got my time? I don't quit a job to do a job. You know, to do to do my business. You can't. You figure out how to do it at five o'clock in the morning, late at night, and you keep your work because you. I've I've heard people out here. I'm gonna I'm gonna start a food truck. I ain't never cooked a hamburger in my life, but that's what I want to do. And I'm going to quit my job. No, baby, you don't do that. There's order. Hustle has order, Mm -hmm. you know, and then you have to become dependable, create trust. So all of these things about how do I do it all? It's you have to know the seasons of it as well. Mm -hmm. So there was a season when I learned a lot of things, did a lot of things up until I was 28 years old, including uh, my parents investing in us, running, learning how to run the Neighborhood Christian Center, which is my primary mission. That's what I do. That's what I'm called to do. And um, and then from that point, I begin to have that innately in me that wherever I am, 24-7, if I'm at Kroger, if I'm at the hair shop, if I'm at this, that, that, I'm always talking about Jesus, always talking about people that need help. And I'm always thinking through how does that connect with whatever I do? But then if you need some popcorn, I do that too. All right? <laughs> if you need your hair braided, I might still do that. Wear my back out. Wear my back out now. But, you know, so how do I do all those things? When you sing, well, you, if I can do it, I schedule it. Yeah. Okay? So, and 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 everything is not for money. Everything is not always. That's part of my, you know, my mm-hmm. life, my living. That helps me to, you know, have been able to take care of my kids. They're they're grown now. They're One just graduated from college at UT, Knox, and one... It's his second year at um, um, University of Memphis. But they went to PDS and they went to MUS. And there were many days that we ate sardines and tuna fish and ramen noodles and whatever we had to do. Because we can only have, we only have the time we have. I didn't come from money. So God has blessed me that I could sing or whatever, and God will bless me to have a little change here and there. I collect it all together, and now I pay my bill. Mm. Collect it together, pay my bill. So how do I? How do we do all we do? Make the main thing the main thing. All the extra stuff, I can't do. I would love to hang out and go do this or shopping all the time. But now the season I'm in, I could do a little more travel, a little bit here and there. But my kids... That 18 to 21 year period for them, I was committed to that. Mm, you, yeah. I wasn't doing podcasts and talking about this. Past 20, it was getting them kids to school, yeah. make sure their lesson was done. Yeah. And now I'm in this season where I don't have to do those things with them. I don't have to go to soccer games anymore. I don't do all those things. Now it's shifted. Hey, a minute ago, just just a second ago, you said I can, uh, I might braid some hair. I might do some popcorn. Right. We enjoyed hearing the story about how you created your 
everything <laughs> store. Yes. Uh-huh. How did you tell us the story of uh, Papa Roo's popcorn? Where did that come from? How did you? How did well, you come up uh, with that? My boys, uh, we were we were traveling from. My husband's from Florida, so we were traveling from Jacksonville, Florida. I think in the summer and. And I was like, we've got to find something my children can see created from the ground up because they neighborhood Christian centers, which is our mission, um, is what they've known. Um, they've they've seen us at church. We I, I sing. Um, my primary time is spent at Hope Presbyterian, and then I have some time I spent with Har- spent with Harvest and Second Press and a few of our partner ministries. Um, and so my kids have always seen well established companies or organizations that we've been privy to be a part of, mm-hmm. but they've never seen the work it takes to build whatever it is that you're, that, that we're doing. And so I really thought about that. I said, what could we do that would be uh, as, as uh, easy entry, not a lot of cost and the, um, and the profit margin would be significant enough that we could pull it off and I could do it early in the morning so that when I'm not there, it could work. Mm-hmm. And I kept on thinking and researching. I was like, okay, popcorn is something that could be done because you, you don't have to keep it hot. You know, once you make it until it goes stale, you can sell it, you know, that kind of mm-hmm. thing. And my my young, my oldest child said, y'all always talk about these ideas you're going to do because we always talked on the road. Where, so we're going to make this. We're going to do this. And so I said, like, no, we're going to do this, child. He said, oh, y'all ain't going to do that. I said, oh, you're going you gonna to work there this summer, you know. So it must have been coming back from Christmas time or whatever. because It must have been Christmas and not summer. And, honey, that summer, that, that boy was there. Okay. We opened up a little spot. And, um, and Crosstown? And no, it was, no, we didn't get Crosstown until a year or so later. But we, um, about four years later. But, um, no, we opened it. It's still there on North Parkway. We do curbside services there. But, um. Um, it's now our popping kitchen and curbside, but at that time that was where um, you would come and buy your popcorn, and um, and I didn't know how to make it by the way, so I opened a store that I didn't know how to heck do it, <laughs> so I would order um, vend the popcorn, I would order popcorn from somewhere way like an offline or something, and they and they ship it, and it was beautiful and it was pretty, but didn't nobody know we was there. <laughs> Because of course I'm not able to you know pitch it or anything, so over time I was like I gotta learn how to make this popcorn because I'm gonna have to make it in smaller quantities, and you know people started learning about us because they were we were across the street from Cozy Corner and actually Cozy Corner was in our building for a little while, so people started noticing us whatever. But anyway, my son that that summer um, found out that we were not playing and he learned to work. And over these past seven years we've been open since 2014. God has been blessing us to get um, opportunity to um, to sell. And I have four girls. At the time, I had 13. COVID knocked us all the way down. But we've rebuilt to four ladies that are um, working there from the community, which was part of our heart's desire mm-hmm. to to create some jobs. And I, my goal is to create more jobs. Um, and my kids, they still work with us. They still, you know, they, yeah. they're they they're a believer now. They tell people, yeah, we're founders of the, we started the, uh, the Papa Roos <laughs> Oh, we did. <laughs> why, um, why? Why was that aspect of it so important to you? Not not necessarily creating a store or or a brand or a popcorn or whatever product right. it was, but what I've focused on what you said. It was important for you to show your kids 
how something was built and how it was grown and sustained? Why was that important? Well, to you? because that's what my parents did for us. When we lived in our home, how neighborhood Christian centers was developed, we were involved in it. So mm-hmm. we didn't take it for granted. We didn't, we weren't feeling, we couldn't feel entitled about it. My parents kept us in an humble state to this day, day of understanding what it means to invest your life into something, invest in building something, and then seeing it um, create fruit. You know, and so um, if you don't understand how to build, if you don't understand the intricacies of what it takes to create something for it to be maintained, uh, when people don't show up, how are you going to do it? Critical thinking, um, manual labor, the physicality of all of doing something, not just talking about it. A lot of folks talking, 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 talking. And when my my son said, y'all talk about that, that touched me because. I could talk because I'd actually been a part of creating stuff. I had a store on Main Street. You know, I had all these things. I knew how to do it. But my children weren't born until many years after that. So they didn't know. And so now my children, you could, we actually, Town of Carville hosted us, allowed us to do your fireworks uh, this year. And you saw my boys out there with us. And we were out there with my husband, my boys, myself. We set that little tent up. Put that popcorn out there, and y'all have to physically help us put that stuff out there. And you're gonna see how it works. And you're gonna run this machine. And so, I can I could be gone. God forbid I pass away today or something. But I know that they know what it means to do the job. And I hear people like on on Square. You know, you can get comments um, about you know uh, how how a person did or whatever. And people that would happen to know us would say, "Your boys are are doing so well." Mm. And and then one guy said. It's a lot of girls in line, you know. Excuse me, funny, because um, they're <laughs> handsome. But anyway, but uh, <laughs> but he would, they would just say, you know, or we would show up to a farmer's market or whatever because we had to be out of town and the boys would do it. We'd come back the next next week, and they'll say, "Hey, your 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 guys, they were on the they were on the business of the whole time," and, and for a mom to hear that has nothing to do with the store. God forbid that we had to shut it down or whatever. But I know that that we accomplished. Mm-hmm. The goal of building and stealing work ethic, yeah. ownership, especially as the African-American boys, that you understand what it means to own something and that you care for that. And the brand, the branding of it, the excellence that's required, um, that the things that we sell are fresh. My son uh, manages our, our um, the, the, the popcorn we sell out of S.Y. Wilson in Arlington. And um, I don't hardly step in that store unless I just want to. Because I said that's you have to deal with that. Am I doing it because we're trying to make a billion dollars out of SY Wilson? Not not necessarily. It's I've maintained it because I wanted them to see consistency. You don't quit, you don't stop. It's all about that. And I want people in the community to see that. Sometimes we just pop popcorn and send it over to people or whatever. Because this is a way for them to physically be able to give. We're gonna take whatever we have rolling off shelves, we're gonna go probably Thanksgiving day and just start going to corners and passing out to folks that's standing there, whatever, because that's what it's all about. And if it turns into more than that, praise God, I can get some of my, you know, you know, tuition money back. (laughs) But uh, other than that, you know, um, it's about how do we teach our children to, to work, work ethic. So when they work for someone else, they can appreciate why that leader and who that leader is, because they're just not leading and telling folks what to do. It's a lot of stuff behind that. We gotta pay insurance. Folks gotta, you know, they somebody might say, ah, I didn't like that. And they 
They have to, you know, whatever. So there's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes. I send them emails that come to me from State Farm, from um, other vendors or whatever, so they can see what it says when they say, hey, this is how you're going to set up in the Collierville market. This is how you're going to set up. The, this is how the spaces look. If they just show up because mm-hmm. I said it, that's one thing. And I appreciate them following our instructions. But I don't want a man following my instructions. I want a man that understands how to give the instructions once he reads them mm. and can re- and communicate that back. And so when I send them the things, we live in a community where there happens to be an HOA. Well, my kids don't, uh, don't know that. So I send them the email, hey, this is what they say do by January. <laughs> and this is what they said do with that garbage. <laughs> and this is what they said about they're going to clean these streets. Yeah. And nobody got their cars. And I send it to them when they send it to me. And they better put that on their calendar because I shouldn't have to remind you. And so those are the kind of things I, you know, do. And that's all business. Mm-hmm. How are you instilling work ethic and business in, in, in people? <clears throat> we have to raise our children up. And you don't. And I, I'm not doing the perfect job. I'm doing my best, you know, but that which I know I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And they're 20, 20 and 23. And until they 93, <laughs> I'm gone, whatever, I'm going to continue to impart what I know. And I do that for a lot of people, not just for them, but they're, they're my first, you know, ministry, mission and ministry. And we do that for our children at, at the NCC Neighborhood Christian Center. Yeah. When those kids come and are part of our plays and part of um, our college tours and all that, our staff does the same thing. All of us are, we're little replications of what my parents did, you know. And so we... um we talk to our children. We talk to our students. We say we take them on college tours. We take them um, to to the bank. Um, Evolve Bank is one of our partners. They help us to set up bank accounts so they can understand. Just because eighty percent of those in the city school system don't, or now SES don't have a bank account doesn't mean you don't have one. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's help you get a bank account. Do you understand what it means to maintain yeah. a bank account? All of those things are necessary for my own children. For the children that are our, a part of our lives as neighbors, my kids, grown as they are, let me see balances. Yeah. You don't go below this line. And in our faith, make sure you pay your tithes. You know? And with the kids we serve at Neighborhood Christian Centers, we say, okay, either pay your tithes or give to an organization. If you're getting $20, I need to see $2 going somewhere else. So it's about how do we give back? How do we honor our Lord? And how do we do what we're supposed to do all, all together. And so I can't separate my life schedule. My life schedule is all who I am. Yeah. And it all is about how my parents started this work. Mm-hmm. Neighborhood Christian Centers has built that up in me. And um, and it's my 24-hour life. Yeah. You know, that's what I do. Well, as we, as we wrap up talking <laughs> yes, about the I'm last. Yes, I'm sorry. I just talked so much. Well, no, no you, this is amazing. <laughs> yeah. But looking at the next season of your yeah. life, we mm-hmm. talked about seasons. What's yes. next? What's next for you well, neighborhood? I pray neighborhood Christian centers is, um, you know, I've got a 10 year plan for the next 10 years that we're going to do. And then we'll see what happens the next 10. Um, but we're ready to move into just, um, expanding a little bit more, mm-hmm. um, adding some more locations. Um, we are focusing on, um, the most challenging communities in the city. Now, what locations are those? Uh, we have, us. um, we have two in Binghamton. Mm-hmm. We have one in North Memphis uptown community. We have one in the uh, Robin Hood area. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have two, four in Fraser that are in Section 8 housing as well. 
And then we have one out here, Southeast Shelby, because we serve the urban, uh, the rural communities, uh, and uh, with a partnership with St. Patrick's Church, mm-hmm. and they also and then Harvest Church is a partner with us for our organiz- our Hickory Hill mm-hmm. uh, satellite there. And so we are, um, you know, throughout the city serving people in need uh, wherever they are. Yeah. So um, that's the next thing is that we not only expand but that we uh, beef up our team. Uh, because serving people uh, in these days are a little different than it was in the past. People don't just take your word for it. Um, pe- the autonomy of folks are to to the point where I could back in the day you could say, "Well, go out there and get a job and come back and tell me." They won't. They're not going to just go do that. So now we have to walk alongside. Sometimes handhold and then warm handoff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's going to take a lot more people to to do this work. And then there's some things we're doing with gun violence as well. Uh, and so we're um, really, really trying to get more engaged uh, with that and help to diffuse um, some of the uh, the uh, trauma issues and um, mental health issues that are affecting um, families that are gun violent affected, gun violence affected. Um, so this is all kind of happening at one time. So that's our that's our mission to to move toward. Um, kind of seeing where the paradigm shifts are, yeah. and things are happening different in Memphis. They're, yeah. they're, they're, we've seen some things in the recent days that have, that have not ever happened to yeah. Memphis before. Um, the residual effect of that is folks are going to start thinking that's okay, and we don't say that's not okay. So we're working to maintain trust and help to help youth and young adults see that there's a better way yeah. um, and, and continue to lift the, the name of Jesus Christ in the midst of all that. And that's where we are. Um, that's what we do every day. And how can people get connected? Um, they can that? go to ncclife.org. Mm-hmm. You can go to holycakes.org too. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, you can though. Uh, but uh, <laughs> ncclife.org. And um, you can see, uh, we can we have a pickup where you can do, um, you help us with, you need furniture, appliances, things like that. We can pick those up. Uh, clothes. Um, we need winter clothes right now, coats, things like that. Um, and then you can also sign up to volunteer for different things we have throughout the year. Yeah. Um, so there's opportunity. And you can give online as well. So okay. we, we need that too. Yeah. Well, <laughs> your story is phenomenal. Yeah. Who you are. I mean, the, the com- I'm so unphenomenal. Com- combining, <laughs> I mean, just an amazing mom, phenomenal, yeah. you know, entrepreneur. Well, uh, just it's so encouraging to hear your story and everything you're yes. doing for. Yes. Well, for the, the ultimate is the Neighborhood Christian Center. That's yeah. our work. That's what we do every day. I've been f- fortunate that um, as I've lived, I've done all my life has been this. My, my our board, our staff has been so gracious to let me be who I am, and I yeah. think because I genuinely want best for all that we do it all intersects it all works together if you make it all work together it's harmonious mm, yeah and it's benefiting um the community it's benefiting the city and that's what i want to be wow well thank you yeah. so much thank you for sharing your story with us today uh, thank you for being on here no problem worth more than silver more than gold They found themselves on a lonely road No one welcomed him that day He had no place to lay They didn't know he came to save 
they didn't know of his love and grace. They didn't know of his transcending power that surpasses time and space. was worthless, full of shame, I found myself in so much pain, I didn't know that things could change, all I know, it cannot I didn't know of his love and grace I didn't know of his transcending power That surpasses time, time and space And that's a wrap. Thank you for tuning in to Corporate Cornucopia. This episode was brought to you by our sponsor, My Town Roofing. Replacing your roof shouldn't be a hassle. It should be a smooth process done in a timely manner and, most importantly, at a reasonable price. My Town Roofers has thousands of satisfied customers. Check them out at MyTownRoofing.com. If you've enjoyed today's podcast, head on over to www.collierville.chamber.com to access our notes, join the conversation, or leave a good review.